Good morning, Thetis. Welcome back. We are returning for Dwarves, the discussion, part two. And we are ready to go. It's been a while and we are fired up and ready to go. I am joined by the always wonderful Hala. Oh god, I didn't know why I cut off. I was just, okay, I just said hi, that's all. I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> that's what <Well>. I <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll fix that. It's like, <laughs> uh, we'll fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. Yeah, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> and, uh, of course, we have the, the babbler himself, Scottathan. <laughs> Scott, my boy. Welcome. Nerds? I knew it was coming. And still. <laughs> uh, and, of course, the ever-sexy man, Rowan. Caffeinated. Vaccinated. Freshly yeah. masturbated. <laughs> Let's go, boys! <laughs> okay. Holla, uh, as always, uh, you're going to be leading the charge here. So go ahead and uh, dish out the, uh, the questions for today. All right. So, the first question is, what is, in your opinion, the connection between elves and dwarves in the past? Maybe still in the present. And is this relevant to the future of Thetis somehow? Please go, Scott. Okay. Uh, what is the connection? Um, I think one of the things that, trying to think about the memory, my memories a little bit, I don't think they're actually, I don't know if we actually have evidence of really ancient elves and dwarves meeting with each other. What we do have a lot of evidence for, though, is titans and elves dealing with each other. Um, that's a good point. Yeah, like, and that's kind of an interesting technicality that I just thought of. Is just like we don't know how they interacted with each other um, because they're really we only know about titans and elves interacting with each other, and. We don't know if they fought each other or not, or anything like that. Granted, that's like a real ancient time, so we don't have a lot of evidence for it to begin with. Um, I don't... I think one of the interesting things about Dragon Age is that, relatively speaking, dwarves and elves actually have relatively peaceful histories, comparatively, with each other. Like, there's maybe some evidence of, like, long-ago fighting, but past that point, they really haven't fought each other which I kind of, which I wouldn't have expected personally, um, and in the present, you know, really, I think that's the one thing I find is interesting is that there's no, they don't interact much, and I think some of that is really the only dwarves we've ever seen is either from Ostagar, which, I mean, while there's certainly a case to say that you mean El Orzammar. Orzammar. Thank you. I was wondering. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Orzammar. Um, and we do know of other dwarven tigs and cities as well, especially over in Tevinter. Um But, like, we don't... I mean, we have them and Orzammar, and then we do have, like, a few surface dwarves, but they're kind of rare, and they're a lot, you know, they're not like the, you know, either the Dalish that are constantly... While isolated, they're at least moving around and probably have a larger population than the dwarves at um, Orzammar than um, 
And then you have, obviously, city elves running around. Uh, but I don't really think that... You know, I don't think the two have much interaction with each other. And I don't think we see, like, interaction on a large scale, if that makes sense. Like, we see, obviously, like, like, person-by-person contact, but I don't think they have much of a relationship. I, um, you know, as a whole, really. But, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Because, like, we really don't see, like you said, anything, uh, grand. It's all very small interper uh, interpersonal relationships and conversations and such. There's no massive evidence besides, like, the Titans and such like that. Mm -hmm. Well, to kind of jump into that, because I was going to save that for my talking point since it's here now, we'll tackle it. Um, I think a more interesting connection is the future idea, in the sense <laughs> that um, we know that ancient elven, like the, the uh, oh, damn, what's the word? Ancient elven gods, but they're actually mages. Oh, the uh, Evanuris. Evanuris. The Evanuris. We know that the Evanuris uh, have created Darkspawn. We know that from some of the supplemental works, and we know that from a little bit of the games. We know that they've been tinkering and creating Darkspawn to some degree. Yeah. Now, Darkspawn are the biggest plague on the dwarves as a whole. It's basically cut them off from any of their sister locations. So, with the reveal that the ancient elves had done that, do we think that relationship will sour? Because oh, nothing absolutely. would piss me off more if I found out my kind of okay friends actually <laughs> stabbed me in the back my entire life. Well, oh, I, I mean... That's pretty cool. I mean, not only that, um, but I honestly think just, I think especially with, um, oh, God. oh, what is the name of the Deventer Knight story? Um, Horrors of Hormac? Yeah, Horrors of Hormac. Like, they're, it's not like they're, in Horrors of Hormac, it's not like they're in a sealed location. Like, there are few. They're just a little hop, jump, and a skip down the mountain, and we now have highly mutated, highly deadly darkspawn, which is really saying something when it comes to darkspawn. Yeah. Um, running around, and Lord knows if they have an underground connection. Like I actually think that might be the dwarf's saving grace, is because so many of the connections in the deep roads have been cut off. That it may be actually harder to get to some of those underground locations that way. But that might be an only a matter of time issue. So, like, I think that could honestly be a real... That could be a present threat in, um, War of the Dwarves. That, like, okay, we can deal with Darkspawn, but this is, like, a whole nother issue. Who the fuck is responsible for this? Um, I think the biggest problem is with it. Is that yeah sure you can you maybe will see prejudice, but like if ancient elves were the ones that were fucking around with, you know, creating different darkspawn, the Dalish don't really have that connection. However, yes. however, that's unless Solus is showing up and really trying to bring back that we are the true descendants of the ancient elves. And we're trying to live up to that, then I think we could actually have the dwarves be going after elves. Because now there's a face, there is a singular group 
that is claiming responsibility. I would like to hear you. Uh, you, you can go first, Ron. I, I have a feeling we have similar things to say. So you uh, I was going to say was that um, while, yes, entirely true, the modern elves don't have a connection to that, that still doesn't create... It, reviewing that from a an outsider's 3D perspective where we're watching the pieces move versus the individual character moment where is if magically someone's hate would be like, oh, well, that only happened a couple hundred years ago. I'm not mad about it. And that's not how hate works, and that's not how creating your fantasy works either. Mm-hmm. You know, if you would find out that, like, your uncle died from the Darkspawn, and you're like, hold on, wait, those elves made that fucking Darkspawn? I hate those elves. Yeah. Like I said, I, I think it would create prejudice. Prejudice for sure, but it would, I think it would be very unfocused. Um, I think, if anything, the dwarves would be united on that. They're they're pretty good at honoring Paragon till death, you know? Yeah. I think I th- it would be an affront to them as a culture and a people. Yeah. yeah. I can't imagine any dwarf that would stand that. I think the big, like, I think the issue I kind of see is there wouldn't be, because there isn't a lot of interaction in between dwarves and elves, they would be like, oh, we're gonna fuck up any elf we see. What fucking elf is there around them? <laughs> you know? It's well, not like the Dalish go down into the mines all, you know, into the deep roads all the time. Or it's not the like elves city elves. dug too deep and too greedily. Got <laughs> Um, But like, I think the issue is, generally speaking with prejudice groups, you also need a group there. You either need a strong enough group that you can target it and like make moves or outside you know that you are willing to move outside of your home to target or you generally need them in your general populace to be able to discriminate against but that's not there that's why i put in the caveat of we'll see prejudice and definitely like hey if we see any fucking elves we're gonna fuck them up but I think that's going to change if you have, like, Solus starts, you know, trying to really bring back, you know, unite the Elvish groups and stuff like that. Then, at that point, it's more going to be a scapegoat of, like, hey, we're going to take out our societal frustrations on you guys because you're the biggest, largest group. <laughs> so, uh, what I was going to say... Uh, early before Rowan it was basically yeah pretty much the same thing like I said I had a feeling me and him were on the same page there uh, I feel like historically both in uh, fantasy franchises and in the real world uh, once somebody uh, how can I say it? once one group does something uh, bad the uh, another group will manage to just find every excuse to go after them yeah <laughs> And yeah, no. crusade. Yeah, ha yes. <laughs> My favorite of the of the, the terrible atrocities. <laughs> Everybody's favorite atrocities, the crusades, yes. Uh <laughs> that's that's a great example. I I couldn't think of one. You gave me a favorite one. Uh yeah, like that. You just uh you just keep hating and you keep finding more ways to hate and you keep on keeping on at that hate. And I assume mm-hmm. uh if the dwarves discover the secrets 
that uh, they will gladly pull out the pitchforks and uh, torches and start roasting some elf uh, booty cheeks as soon as they get the chance. Oh, yeah. Like... No, I, no. And I think I can agree with you guys on that. Like, <laughs> like, I think that would happen. I think just the biggest problem with the dwarf, like, and especially I, I'm thinking with the dwarves, or Zamar, or, um, I forget. Kal Sharok. Yeah, Kal Sharok. Um, um, like, I can see, you know, granted, we don't know too much about Kal Sharok, but, um, but, um, uh, <laughs> like, we don't know too much about him, but, like, I'm definitely for the idea of, like, no, they're gonna want blood. It's just, I think the problem is, is that. How are they gonna get the blood? Yeah. Well, here's here's my my counter to that, right? So yes, okay. like, how are they going to get the blood? Well, let me tell you how they're going to get the blood. There, Sonny. What's going to happen is that just like Yule Inquisition, they're going to get <laughs> they're going to get permission from the head. So the king probably in this in this uh, scenario, I'll say uh, Idukin. If King Idukin goes. I give y'all permission, you won't lose your cast, to go out there and fucking crush some elf ass. Then they'll probably do that. Because they got permission to leave Orzammar for the Blight. I'm sure they'll find a way to get that uh, team permission to go and exterminate the elves. Ooh, ooh. I think something else to consider is the fact that um, <clears throat> if the dwarves learn that the elves created the Darkspawn, who else really hates Derek Spawn? Oh yeah, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <True. laughs> and who else hates hates elves? Damn, Orlay, Ferelden, uh, Tevinter. Everybody. They all hate elves. <laughs> oh yeah. So the one thing, a few things I do kind of want to add a little bit. Um, one, I wonder if they would like send the Legion of the Dead after them. Um, but I think the big thing is. As far as we know, the elves didn't create Darkspawn. We know they fucked with them and made them horrifying. Granted, I don't also think... I do not see it as much of a stretch for them going from... Oh, we find evidence that they've been mutating them and experimenting with them to... Oh no, they they created the Darkspawn. That's a... That's an easy jump in logic that I can see. That... That's all people would need to hear, and they can just jump and latch onto it. Um, and then justify bringing, like, the Legion of the Dead after people. Um, you would have to, like, stretch your theory pretty far. I mean, the, the leaders of Orzammar, not just the king, but the leaders of Orzammar, to the Legion of the Dead, to <laughs> tell them, leave the Deep Roads, leave the Darkspawn, and go to what we believe is the source. Uh, if you point them at the elves, I think mm -hmm. that's still going to be pretty hard to justify for them. I'm not saying it's impossible. I just think yeah. you're going to have to jump a lot of hoops for that. Yeah, well, and especially if you're talking about the Legion of the Dead, who have so much ex like dwarves have a lot of experience with Darkspawn, but the Legion of the Dead have even more. Yeah, you know, I think that would be a very tough argument to convince them on, like convincing themselves, them being however. Is that going to be necessarily true for, say, the king of Orzammar, whoever that's going to be at the time, to be convinced otherwise? That's what I think the different story is. Is them being 
like the Legion of the Dead, like, yeah, no, dude, we have literally been in the bowels of the Deep Roads and we've never seen any evidence of elves creating, you know, Darkspawn. Uh, but then, and, yeah. It's just one thing, like, it's weird that they found no evidence, like, uh, tripsing around through the Deep Roads as they have. Yeah. Since, uh, we know at least one of the wells is kind of underground a little bit, not too far underground, but it's odd that we know there are more wells. Uh, yeah. More wells of Gilnan, etc., in all the experiments. Mm-hmm. So, I would think that the perfect place to experiment with Darkspawn would be in the Deep Roads, or at yeah. least the Enchanted Abyss, although that might be a bit too deep, but still. It may be an issue of they never did those experiments in Ferelden or Orlay, um, or what we call Orlay and Ferelden today, that may have been only in the Tevinter and in the Anderfell Mountain. That would... That's my best explanation, is that it's just, they never found any evidence because, well, it's, one, Thetis is huge, and exploring the underground is dangerous and slow going, and they may just not have done the experiments there. They could have done the experiments elsewhere. Um, Granted, I think it'll be interesting if they actually, it does turn out that the Blight was a creation some way, shape, or form connected to the elves. I don't... that That's a potential storyline. Um, I don't know if Bioware will go with that, per se, because I feel like they want to keep a certain amount of mystery. Of just like, yeah, no. The elves, the ancient elves, discovered the Darkspawn. So it's like, oh shit, the, wow, these guys have been around for even longer than we thought. On so. where you place the origins of Red Lyrium, I, I would say that either Titans or Elves are, could be the origin of the Blight, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. That's what I think as well. I, I think it's one or the other, but I'm more towards the Elves. Yeah. Well, you know, granted, I do kind of like the idea a little bit of like, oh no, the Elves found Red Lyrium. I mean, or, yeah, I mean, that oh. sounds cool too. Yeah, or the elves found Darkspawn. And it's like, oh fuck, how old are these assholes? And it's like I, I said, they dug too deep and too greedily. <laughs> I wonder what triggered the very first light. Like, we know what happened once it was triggered, but like, the very first thing that triggered is what I would like to know. Because mm-hmm. after that, you can draw all the conclusions you want, but the very first one, like, nothing had ever happened before then, so what gives? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Ethan. Yeah. Question for you. Well. Alright. Uh the connection between elves and dwarves in the past. Um in the past, uh I believe that possibly this is a very far out theory that I have nothing to back up. Uh maybe perhaps dwarves were like little uh grunts slash footmen slash thralls of the titans that they used to fight the elves mm-hmm. in a big oh, like in a big war back in the day because we have evidence of the elves and titans fighting <clears throat> i think before they all died per well quote unquote they all died 
that yeah, the, the the dwarves were like mini thralls almost that they used to fight like the more small scale battles, that kind of thing. I like that idea. I think it's pretty neat. Uh, yeah. Uh, other than that, I, I don't really know too much. I mean, obviously nobody really knows too much about it, but I don't really have too much beyond that. I think that that's a really neat idea that I've kind of had for a little bit. That uh, they were used as soldiers against the elves on uh, a small scale front, uh, more to like kind of be like that overwhelming the horde, uh, opposite of the giants who were crushing them from above. <laughs> Uh, so that, like, very small scale, not too much of a in-depth, you know, thing, but I think that is, uh, more of, like, a cool past idea, that I, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I like to, this is, this is like, weird sounding, but I kind of like the idea of, like, the dwarves being, like, uh, oh, man, I'm trying to think of, like, a good way to say it, but kind of, like, they're in bulbs like like uh they kind of like how like the the oh what game am i thinking of they're in a bunch of like circle like sacks thing and out come the dwarves and they go and they're attacking that kind of thing like they or like they're like on little like like bulbs on a titan right so like maybe the titan like lifts up his palm and on his palm there's like a bunch of like uh rock like a, like a weird fantasy orbital drop squad yeah something like that <laughs> and elements of uh, elves versus dwarves, but like alien versus predators. Yeah. So, like, in the best way I can think of, like, like uh, the dwarves, like you know, like in Alien, all like little eggs. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. in my head, I'm picturing like on the Titan's pond is like a fuck ton of those like egg-looking things, and like he like puts it out there, like opens up his hand, and they just all like pop out of there. and Going for the fucking kill. That sounds mm-hmm. sick. You know, one, one of these <laughs> but they're like, sure looked at all the dwarves and were like, these nuts. <laughs> oh god. Um, <laughs> oh, there are several things. There's, I'm thinking of like several different, like, uh, I also want to. Yeah, yeah, so what also I want to point out the one I'm thinking this, I don't picture the pods as like fleshy pods. I'm thinking like rocky pods. Like <laughs> a rocky oh, ball. I, I was totally seeing them as like I was totally seeing them as like fleshy. And not only that, but them shooting down and all of them are landing in well, like all the dwarves are landing in like fucking uh <laughs> piles like, of superhero. <laughs> Uh, well, like in like a superhero, like the superhero landing stance, yeah. you know, and, <laughs> and then just fucking charging in, and the, so, they also like the fuck are these assholes? <laughs> I kind of imagined it a little weirder in the sense that, let's say, it's a Titan's hand, and there are like the veins that kind of drip out, and little droplets fall, crash into like the earth, and the earth clumps together to form a dwarf. I like that. That's like that's that is. Kind of like a, a cooler version of what I was thinking, because like, the way I was thinking is that they were coming like at, like I said, like more like stone pods, because uh, they have to be born from the stone to make the the religion feel more uh, accurate in a way. Just make it like, oh, technically, born yeah. from the stone, because it comes from like these these like stone pod type things. And I think that's like pretty dope sounding, but I like I think I like Rowan's even more. <laughs> I have to quickly 
frequently asked. So yeah, I think as a as I'm the biologist of the group, I have to wonder then. <laughs> so you're saying that titans reproduce sexually or asexually? Does that occur? Uh, I think they can they produce sexually, but they produce dwarves asexually. For the present, uh, the connection between uh, the elves and dwarves in the present. Uh, I believe that the elves will be the key to unlocking the full potential of the dwarves. Uh, besides, like you know, the whole them getting their uh, uh, their magic back from like the Titan stuff. Uh, somewhere in that area will be an elf of some kind. Put, pulling the strings and getting them back to uh, all their magical capabilities, whether it's Solus successfully tearing down the veil and returning magic to all the dwarves or some uh, kind of... What's up? What if... I mean, okay, so we know the Titan blood is essentially lyrium, right? You know, the mm -hmm. lyrium is used in mass quantities to perform really, really powerful spells. Mm -hmm. Pathetically speaking, could you use the life essence of a titan to rip down the veil? Ooh. I like that. Here's I'm imagining it as, like, him touching the thing and then, like, power surges through and he, like, pulls and rips everything down kind of thing. It depends, because, like, it, I mean, it restored magic to one dwarf, but, like, could it have restored magic to, like, multiple dwarves? I don't know. I don't think it's about restoring it to dwarves. I think it's about tearing down a barrier and using the power source. Oh, you know, but I'm just, I'm just trying to quantify like restoring magic to one dwarf. Is that enough? That power that restored magic to one dwarf is that enough to tear down a veil? Uh, I think if we view titans on the mass scale that they're being interpreted as as literally tectonic plates that exist, <laughs> I think possibly yeah. Yeah. But also, we don't really have a good explanation or in-depth um, detail of how and why uh, Dagna? Um, yeah, Dagna. Uh, um, was Dagna? Yeah. Yep. Got, got magic? Yeah. We don't really understand how or why that happened. Oh, it just kind of felt like... Yeah, I thought Dagna? Uh, uh, no, that huh. was uh, on the descent. Uh, that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah the... the dwarf at the end. Oh, oh Dagna's the, the other girl. My bad. Dagna's the, the one in the key. Uh, fuck. I know who you're talking about, but I'm a, I'll, it's not Dagna. <laughs> uh, Google. Just give me a second, I'll Google. Okay, you can Google. Yeah, yeah, keep going, I'll come back. Uh, then I'll interject a bit. I think, uh, so kind of an answer to your question. It's possible that the joint power of many titans, maybe all, I don't know, could tear down the veil, but in terms of restoring magic to dwarves, I don't think it's quite that simple. For one, I believe that the magic of dwarves and the magic of elves, for one, have different sources. One is the uh, titans themselves. That's where dwarves would get their magic from. Volta. Volta. Volta, yes. Which is very different from the magic of elves, which comes uh, from the fate itself. But the, the fate and the titans are separate. In my opinion. But the fate is only separate because of the veil. We yeah. understand that magic was intrinsically linked into the world. 
No, it is, but I I still think that we are talking about separate magics, not because they were separated due to the veil, but because they've never been the same type of magic or origin of it, maybe. Uh, so, I, it's a neat idea. I, I personally don't subscribe to it, but I like the idea. I mean, I'm definitely on board with it. We've talked about more existential things in Dragon Age before. I mean, there's uh, uh, the Void and something else that I can't remember. It, it's not uncommon or it's not a new revolutionary idea to have two separate power sources of magic in your fantasy. Um, I mean, like, Game of Thrones technically did it, you know. Uh, I think mm -hmm. Skyrim has it, or like, Elder Scrolls, really, but, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Oh, what if executors could use the power of the Void? That would be so cool. Only yeah, I'm curious ahead. on, what if, you know, Titans have their own magic of, like, almost, I would almost call it, like, magic of the Earth, effectively, yeah, that does certain things, and then the Void has also different mm -hmm. things. Uh, that would be interesting if that was almost, like, a key point was in, like, the Dragon Age game, which is like, hey, there's more than just a Fade, you know, the Fade's powerful, but if we pull on these other sources of magic, per se, it might be enough to actually defeat, you know, Solus and the Fade. Mm -hmm. The Maker be a Titan? <laughs> I mean, it's possible. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say no. Purely on the grounds of, I don't think they, Bioware wants to ever touch um, yeah, the Maker. It... They have said in the past, like, we try to avoid talking about the Maker as much as possible. Yeah. In the series, with the religion about the Maker. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to piss off Republicans. Well, yeah. I mean, a little bit of that, but it's just... I th a part of it, I also wouldn't be surprised if, like... Yeah, we kind of created this whole world of, like... More tearing down... A world that where it's very easy to tear down the myths... Of that world, you know, like the Evanurse is a great example of that, um, or like the fact that Titans, Titan blood is lyrium, you know, um, where you're tearing down these myths into physical things, and I think the problem is with the Maker is that I think what yeah it does dive into real world religion a little too much, but also just the fact of it almost feels a little bit inconsistent with a lot of the lore that they have set up, let alone the lore that a lot of fans cling on to. Mm -hmm. So, I think they're just like, yeah, you know what, we're... Yeah, we don't want to kind of tread on that ground anymore. You know, creatively speaking, we just don't want to touch that. And also, we've spent three games kind of talking about that, for the most part. So, I think they just want to kind of move on to other things. Uh, Ethan, have you touched on the future of Theta? Sorry, we, we go through so Oh, it's fine. Uh, I mean, technically my present thing also kind of goes into the future. Like, yeah, I, I expect them to... I expect the elves to factor into the... The dwarves, like I said, returning to their full power of, uh, being able to have magic and dreams and all that. And, uh... I don't know, I feel like like my present and my future one kind of melds into one, to, to be honest. Alright, in that case, uh, I'll go. I think, uh, okay, so the obvious connection between elves and dwarves in the past is the titans. Uh, so, you have dwarves which are hinted at being having been created by titans. 
and either being them or a part of them. I'm leaving both lines open. Uh, at some point in the past, and then suddenly that was cut off. Uh, we all have our theories about how that happened, but essentially I believe uh, it was basically maybe an act of despair. What I think happened was a bit like uh, you mentioned, Ethan, that they were like, at one point the Titans became desperate and they got the dwarves out and became their grunts during the war against the elves. Mm -hmm. I see that absolutely happening. And I think when the war was lost, two things happened. For one, um, elves uh, basically took over uh, what dwarves did before, and uh, because of the sundering from the titans around that same time, they mm -hmm. were maybe managing for them to be their slaves or something very similar, either way. Uh, at, and this would be only be around the time of the Avengers. I don't think much beyond that is possible. And even during the time of the Avengers, maybe not all of it. I think they may have even helped, if not built completely entirely, um, the accesses that you get through the Illuvians to the, uh, um, the Deep Roads, which you see during Trespasser. Because all of that thing was basically elven architecture, most of it. You even see time and again the statues of Thals, so... And I don't see the elves of that time, big, powerful magician lords, lowering themselves to the point of mining lyrium themselves. So I think they were first soldiers, uh, I mean dwarves were first soldiers, then slaves, and then when the Avenurus faded, and Elvis broke the fate and whatnot, they may have been by then for a while independent for some reason. Hold on, wait, did you just call him Elvis? No, <laughs> I said the elves. Sorry, I guess it's my accent. <laughs> uh, no, 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 it's not your accent. I'm just really bad. I heard like I thought you were calling him like Elvin Solis, like Elvis. I'm like ah, neat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I actually just thought of something else though. Just while you were kind of talking about Hello, how mama. they were using. <laughs> uh, how they were using essentially dwarves as like cannon fodder. What if instead we think of it less as oh they like use them as cannon fodder? What if the dwarves are more acting like white blood cells for the titans? So in the present, their relationship is very much dwindled from what I think happened in the past. I think it's very much uh, okay. Everyone's or I should say, Orzammar and surface dwarves are okay with elves. I cannot speak for, for example, the the creepy dudes from Kalsharok, because I'm sorry, their physical description and the one passage we have of them in present day is very disturbing, and I think that if they have the chance, they will absolutely get revenge on uh, Orzammar. Mm-hmm. So, just taking the surface and Norzimar ones, I think their relationship is uh, peaceful. There may have been some issues during the time of uh, the enslavement of elves because of their relationship with the Winter, which made them... There was this one incident which they were um, keeping uh, elves uh, sheltered. Mm. And then they made some commercial relationships with the Winter and then just outed them all and so there was that issue. So some people may still 
rather some elves may still remember that and be pissed off about that, I get that, but doesn't seem to be very much the case or they're keeping that on the down low. Mm. Uh, and as for the future, well, I think it's very much dependent on what Solus does, really. Because the eyes return to him, who's an elf, or at least very much looks like an elf, whether he's a <laughs> spirit or whatever else is mm. up for another podcast. We have already done. Plug. Absolutely. And I think that I think pretty much all the peoples of Thetis will try to unite against what Solus is trying to do, except obviously for uh, most of most elves. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, city elves will do it. Um, I'm more hesitant for those who do not inhabit within cities. I think that they have a different way of seeing things. But if Solus somehow tells them it's the will of the Avenurus, maybe they'll join. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I do believe that they will be united with humans and uh, and Kunara and whomever else. Maybe the lizardmen. Hashtag fire brings back, back the lizard people. Lizard, lizard people absolutely always bring back. Uh, uh, sorry, be brought back. Especially since I saw them in Trespasser. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. one of the towers has a painting of that. I was like, okay, they didn't just drop this here. <laughs> There's a purpose. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's nothing, but I don't care. Didn't didn't that image of the the lizard men kind of look like the Krogans from Dragon Age or uh, from uh, Mass Effect? A little bit. I mean, they had the hunch. Wolfie in the head, but yeah. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. I oh okay now I remember my thought. I think um at least in the topic of the elves, I don't see it much of a stretch of. I will not be surprised if Solus changes his advertising depending on what what group of elves he's talking to. Like, um, for Dalish, it's easy, like, hey, I know your gods. I can make you closer to your gods. Join me. Versus city elves, it's, yeah, not. Nah. Are you tired of being oppressed? You want to fuck up your oppressors? Let's go, boyos. <laughs> you know. I mean, it's absolutely that. Um, Granted, his true intentions are definitely not either of those things, but, you know, it is a minor detail. Um, but, yeah, I don't... Especially, it's like, if Solus claimed that he is he is an ancient elf, and, like, he represents them, and then we find out, oh, Dark... You know, how much of a relationship Darkspawn and ancient elves have, that's going to be a very easy latch on for the like the dwarves of just going, oh, oh, so you're responsible for this shit? Okay, let's fucking go, boy. Yeah, yeah. Now we're gonna fuck you up. Then, yeah, I can totally see that prejudice kicking in into overdrive, going on a underground crusade to fuck them up. Honestly, I'm pretty much seeing that as the absolute essence of what's going to happen. Will we yeah. play it or not? I honestly don't know. I thought we would, and then the short stories came out, and I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rowan, your turn. Yes. Oh, God, I have I to would, go now. I'm I so would like prepared. to, quickly before Rowan, you go, I just thought of something really funny that I just want to interject here. Is that I just imagined <laughs> that scene from Spongebob with Spongebob and Patrick, except it's Patrick is Solus. And it's like, gee, Solus, I, I think you, 
I think you'd care a lot about stupid gods, considering you are one. Because <laughs> <laughs> he loves. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, it's not easy being a god, I guess. That's pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> uh, Honestly, I think of uh, uh, a one SpongeBob meme with um, with Manta Ray and, and the wallet. He's like, "This is your wallet." Nope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're an elven god. Nope. And you don't like gods. Seems right to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, you're very sus. Like the halo around you. Ooh, then so... you must be oh. an ancient elven god. Nope. <laughs> oh, yeah. So oh, what you're saying is Solus is a sussy baka. Right in his little elf that? fussy. I would say, I would say hello. <laughs> Sorry, uh, did you guys ever notice that mages, especially Solus, during Inquisition at times, like, when, usually when you're dark places, you can see it, um, they have this glow thing going around their neck? No, I would not notice that at all. No. Nah. Okay, so I noticed it when I was in the, um, kind of the deep roads part of, um, in Ferelden, oh god, the first location, Hinterlands. Mm-hmm. So when we go into that tiny deep roads uh, entrance thing, uh, at some points it's like really dark relative to the rest of the game, and you notice a lot like if you're playing with Solus, I'm not sure if it's some kind of item I had on him, but it was especially him that this happened with. Oh, it was glowy. Kitty. Oh, kitty. Oh, that's a kitty. I heard the kitty. She uh, loves sitting on my lap when I'm at the desk. Um, but she likes to be invited proper, otherwise she'll just keep, like, swatting my thigh. I'm, so, I'm sorry, the, the cat stole the light holo. <laughs> oh, yeah, my bad. Oh, no, don't worry about no, it. No, 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 it's okay. Make her apologize later. And a video of the kitty, too, for apology. I like videos of kitties. As, as, as you were saying, holo, uh, you get what? Uh, no, I'm good. I'm waiting for Roman to, uh... I don't have a lot of points, more or less like miscellaneous random thoughts. Uh, so if we have a different question, we could totally do that. But if you want to hear miscellaneous thoughts, I'll go for that. <laughs> you go ahead like and miscellaneous. Yeah, drop the miscellaneous thoughts and then we can go on. <laughs> miscellaneous thoughts going to be. Uh, so dwarves, titans, blood, special kinds of magic. Are we maybe thinking a little too hard into this in the sense that maybe dwarves don't play such a big role in Dragon Age 4. Like, I definitely think they're going to have their own plot line. I definitely think they're going to be featured to some degree just because if everything is true and we are going to be into Vinter, Vinter is heavily linked with Orzammar? No, Kalsharok. Heavily linked with Kalsharok. That's the, the, the the standing point of the western part. Of, of the Dwarven Empire. I definitely think they're going to try and do something involving it, but I don't think it's going to be a very heavy plot line. I just... They're so almost far removed from the central pinpoint of what Dragon Age has been focusing on that I just don't really think they have a lot to work with. The thing is, though, oh. one of the uh, technical trailers we got, um, you guys probably remember, I hope, uh, that picture of the titan moving below the mountain. Do you remember that? Yeah, I think I remember that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Vaguely. Or what looks like it, at least. <laughs> exactly. 
if they call back Titans, if Titans somehow come back, which is kind of hinted at in Consent, that Titans will come make sort of a comeback, then I'm pretty sure they'll probably call upon their soldiers or former soldiers. And I think that might be a plot point in DF4. Mm-hmm. How much of it it'll take, I don't know. Other miscellaneous thoughts I guess we could go for is um, how heavily are they going to lean into dwarves and to Vinter? Because we know that they have a pretty okay standing relationship for the most part. They enjoy trade, as all dwarves in most fantasy do. But um, the idea that I think they could do is a destabilization of that, but that's a little too, uh, um, like, political thriller savvy for Dragon Age to really delve deep into the connections between Deventer and Orzammar, or um, Kalsharak. I actually don't think so. Because um, Dragon Age does tackle politics a decent amount. I mean, like, all of Dragon Age Inquisition. You kind of do have to play a lot of politics. Um, yes, but you're playing politics in the sense that, like, I don't want to say, like, baby's first politic kind of is like that because it's very like hmm enslave people good or enslave people bad and oh yeah like, no well, obviously enslave people bad and you're like cool cool fantasy racism bad or fantasy racism good and you're like fantasy racism is bad and that's kind of like how they tackle that mm-hmm. so it's not like they're really delving into like the machinations behind things like yeah technically to vent their own slaves and they can have upward mobility but it's not like they really tackle the, the intrinsic system that's built into Devinter to prevent people from moving up in that ladder. Mm, that's because I don't delve too much into Devinter, but if you want deeper politics, for example, when he had to choose between Celine, Briala, and Gaspar, like, that was not easy because not a single one of them was a clear answer. Yeah. Unless you, read, unless you met Red Masked Vampire, and then you know there is a very definite answer. Um, but I went for Elden Lady yeah. every time. Um, or like another good example, look at all of like Dragon Age Origins. How much politicking did you have to play there? Of like, you had to deal with the internal politics of Orzammar. You had to deal with the Landsmeet. Um, Orzammar was interesting because you didn't really know the right answer or the wrong one or whatever. Unless oh yeah. You played twice. And got to see both sides of uh, if you were born a noble dwarf or if you were born uh, one of the Garta. You mm-hmm. didn't really see the full span of the whole thing. And neither option is good at the end of the day. Yeah. I'm not saying that they haven't or that they don't, but the Bioware of old is not the Bioware of today. Yeah, that's the one issue I was about to also bring up as well. It's like That was back in 2008 when? Dragon Age Origins came out? 2008, 2006? 2006? No, How far uh, away was it from the launch of Halo? Uh, no, after. <laughs> it was after Halo 3. Because, technically speaking, Mass Effect 1 came out, and then Dragon Age Origins came out. Like, Dragon I think Age, they were about Mass a Effect, year it was, apart. Yeah, it was about a year. Origins was 2009. Yeah, so it was like 2008, 2009. Well. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so it's like... That Bioware is, I will agree, is like obviously Dragon Age 2 doesn't really deal with a lot of politicking very much other than maybe dealing with the Kunari. Um maybe you could 
arguably talk um like mages versus templars, but that's less politicky and more faction choosing, really. At Most that point. politics you get in Dragon Age Two is help. Some horned people stole my son. Go commit a hate crime on them. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my son is maybe in love with a demon goat. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Um, I love it's not bad. It's it's not like I'm bragging on Bioware or Dragon Age for not delving into like deep machinations of politics. I think a lot of series do that, and I think some do it a lot uh, uh, more nuanced than others. And I don't necessarily want that from Dragon Age either. It's it's very much fantasy. Some things are very good. Some things are very bad. You know, mm-hmm. I'm okay with oh, that. Also, I, I don't need morally gray in everything that I do. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, and you can criticize a game and still love it, so that's perfectly fine. <laughs> no, you can't. I disagree. <laughs> there you go. You either, you either die for Dragon Age, or you're a fucking hater. Exactly. Can't fucking uh, stand these people. There's some people I can see saying that without saying it. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. But it's just, are we delving a little too deep into the idea of dwarves? Because it doesn't seem like Bioware as a whole really wants to delve deep into dwarves. And that's okay. I like the idea of precursor races existing and, and having hands and everything, because that's kind of how some of those things work. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's cool, because it provides lots of, like, almost mysterious revelations and literally the whole idea of this podcast but what is our uh next question that we wanted to tackle oh yeah so how important do you think dwarves would be in df4 and damn you already know my opinion (laughs) yeah (laughs) you kind of outed yourself a little bit yeah yeah (laughs) and do you think the the possible return of the fade will somehow undermine their chances at survival i guess i'm first up to that okay uh, ooh, now I have to get into my opinions on Dragon Age 4 and its development, ooh. which is... Which has been, uh, messy and scary. Controversial. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's so hard to tell what... Because, like, a part of me thinks that they want to start exploring the dwarves more, just on the grounds of, like, it's a faction that hasn't really been explored much, they're already going into an area that, you know, like, Venter has always just been, for the most part, the boogeyman of Dragon Age, and now we're actually going to be exploring it pretty deeply. Um, and it won't be an obvious boogeyman anymore, but what with the new factions rising in the Magisterium. Yeah, exactly. But how much dwarves are going to be involved in DA4 is going to be tough to say. Because a lot of it, I think where that opinion really comes from is what do you think the story of, you know, what state is the story of in Dragon Age 4? Now, I'm actually going to go out on a limb here, and I actually think this, with the development problems going on with Dragon Age 4, I think the story is going to be the same regardless. My evidence for this is mainly... The fact that we have Bioware writers who came out with Tevinter Knights, which obviously is hinting at the storylines coming out in Dragon Age 4. I think the story of Dragon Age 4 is pretty set in stone. 
because well, I mean we do have them pretty much solidifying the like like and granted maybe they were a little bit more sure of it and they wrote a book and it was preemptive but I don't think Bioware is the big thing I've noticed is while there's been a lot of departures from Bioware, none of them have really been from the writing team. Thank so God. I think the true. I think the story of Dragon Age Four is gonna be is pretty set in stone. I, I think, think it's everything else is gonna be a maybe a little bit more up in the air. Maybe like the level design, um, like level design. Uh, you know, gameplay. I think those things are going to be what are is up in the air at the moment. I think uh, just because game design is inherently linked to everything that it does, and management can mess up a lot of things, regardless of what team you're working on. And we've seen that with multiple games before. I mean, we saw that yeah. with uh, Bioware's previous game. What was that? Uh, with, the, with the robot suits. Anthem. Andromeda, yeah. No, we saw it with even other companies that were considered like the golden child. I mean, we saw that with CDPR. Despite how good the writing was in terms of like its streamlined story, Mm -hmm. everything else around it kind of ruined it. Yeah, and it created that almost like ludo narrative dissonance where, yeah, the writing team may be like super on point. They're like, yeah, we're gonna tackle these really cool ideas, but then when the actual implementation of that comes around, it can fall very short. Yeah, so. So I think I think the biggest problem I kind of see with the story of dwarves and dragon in DA4, I almost feel like they're going to be a vehicle for storytelling about the elves. And I kind of use horrors of Flormac as my example of like we talk about oh these ancient dwarven tigers, and then we skip right past it and go even deeper, which discover we discover elven rules. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm hoping they don't get that type of treatment. Personally, I have a sneaky suspicion they might. Um, but who knows? Um, they may be trying to focus more on the dwarves of Kalsharok, kind of like how in Dragon Age Origins, where like you don't really deal with any other dwarves until you hit Orzammar, and it's very much its own separate part of the game. Um. So maybe we might have something like that. I don't know. But we'll kind of see on that. And then do you think the return of the Fade? You know, a part of me wants to say... A part of me wants to say the dwarves aren't going to be affected by the Fade. Um... I think Solus might be able Solus might be able to do that, and I think that he's just powerful enough of a mage, and maybe the dwarves are so far back that you know or if, are so separated from their connection to um Titans that maybe it's he's finally able capable of doing that. But Perhaps maybe with the fade aid on a larger scale like that, that might not affect the dwarves. Um, and 
especially like, I think one of the biggest issues I kind of have with, and, the, and I've bitched about this before in, um, in previous podcasts, um, is just the idea of like a lot of what we know hinges on the conversation we have with Solas at the end of Trespasser. But when you actually dive into what he was saying, holy shit, is everything so vague and so out of context that it's really hard to be able to piece together everything? Like, it could be, like, the destruction of the world could mean, like, the world as we know it, as in, like, yeah, no, things are going to change, you know, the pol all the political lines are going to be drawn, is it an actual almost nuking genocide? Like, what is it? And he never specifies it. Which makes sense. The writers need to have enough freedom and movement to be able to do whatever they want to do creatively. I get that. But when it comes to theory crafting and being able to actually latch on to stuff, it's a fucking bitch. <laughs> I hate it so much. So much. Give me some context, you bitch. <laughs> we'll get it. We'll get it. Take time. Um, I think that's part of his charm as a character. He seems very direct in the main game, and, and then you get to Trespasser, and you're like, okay, I have to rethink almost every single line he's ever said in the main game because it, it, there's context to it there, and I can't see it right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I definitely think we're gonna be getting it. I imagine the first trailer that drops, which I am calling it, uh, Summer Games Fest. <laughs> Probably not. Think so? No, I don't. Okay. But I'm gonna call it anyway. <laughs> you don't think it could be more of like a, a what you call it? Um, an E3 to some degree. Well, E3 got I know canceled. E3's been kind of oh wait for real this year, yeah. 2022. Yeah. Oh fuck! When did that happen? Uh, like uh, yesterday, day before, something like that. Yeah. Oh, shit. All right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. well, it's not like E3 hasn't been slowly fading out of relevance, and it's not like each of these companies haven't been doing their own, like, oh, yeah. come live stream with us. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially everything that Bioware does has so much. There's... The gaming media has p picks up on everything that Bioware does so much that, honestly, like, if you look at how they announce. Look at how they announced fucking the Legendary Edition for Mass Effect. Yeah. Like, they literally did it in a fucking company blog post. I forgot about that. That's how they announced it. It was a trailer on their blog post and a little bit about it. <laughs> I'm and, thinking... It has now become one of their best-selling games of all time. Like, it, I think there's enough hype. And, and granted, they might have to do a little bit more because I think it's going to have to bring in a lot of fans who played Dragon Age, moved on to other stuff, and they're like, oh, shit, yeah, I remember that game back in the day. Now I have to go back to it. Um, but... At the same time, I honestly think that just they they are they could drop this so subtly, and it wouldn't even matter. The games media would fucking pick it up in a heartbeat and just 
spread it for all of him, doing 90% of the work. That's true, and it does save a lot of money marketing-wise. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's, especially if you do it, I think, and this is going to get really topicality, you know, this is technically a topicality, I apologize, but I think with the marketing that Bioware has been trying to do is one very word of mouth because it generally shows it's generally a pretty good way to do it. But the, I think they're also trying to be as transparent as possible, um, you know. And I think they're working on that. That like, especially if you um, if you look at the most recent blog post that came out on the sixth, I think, talking about like, hey. We know we want to focus on our reputation. This is kind of what we've been focusing on over the year and stuff like that. Here's kind of where we're at. Um, like, we have never gotten that before from a any other point in Bioware history, let alone... There are very few companies who do stuff like that. The only ones I can think of is, honestly, 343 Industries and Bungie. Most of the time, most other developing companies don't have blog posts and things like that. Kind of trying to give a trying to give a status of what their game is and so on and so forth. And like, especially if you look at um, Melee, um, the fact that they came out saying like, "Hey, this is what you should expect for Melee," like. You know, I think they're going to try to do something similar with. They're going to do something similar with Dragon Age 4. I think they're going to out the gate, spell out the expectations that the game is going to have and the expectations that they want with the game. I think they're going to do that first thing. Understandable. Uh, I absolutely. Okay, go ahead. Good. Uh, it's just a quick point. I think that the thing with Bioware, for one, it's got a, a very dedicated uh, fandom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been building for many years. Uh, it's been through three different games. Mm-hmm. And uh, you also have the fact that, as you said, magazines, uh, gaming magazines, also picking that up. And it's interesting that you, when you look at them, so half of them seem to hate on it and keep saying that. Uh, this is it. This is the year where they're gonna quit on Dragon Age Four, and the other half is like super eager. Everything uh, uh, of everything that comes out, and every time there's a new image, they're like, "Here, there's a new piece uh, to the next game, the upcoming uh, Dragon Age Four." Mm-hmm. So, in in terms of bringing in new people, that's kind of difficult, I think, when you have such divisive uh, reporting on the next game. But yes. That's why maybe word of mouth also works better in this case, because you know you're hitting the fan straight on. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of like, uh, not in the bad way, but stringing them along, but for a good thing. Yeah. Well, Bioware is, I think the biggest problem Bioware has in the past is that the story that they want to tell and what actually has happened in their, you know, the story, you know, their narrative they have lost control over it multiple times, especially if you're talking about when the Jason Schreier articles came out and things like that. Um, and especially, like, a, a good example, if you look at um, 
J.C. Hudson and Mark Dura leaving at the same time. A lot of people took that as, oh shit, people are leaving, uh, but, you know, all people are, you know, even their leadership's jumping ship, and it's like, PR-wise, it's a really bad move. Except, if, I remember Dur Mark Dura talked in an interview, he was like, uh, yeah, no, I left because I know what the next Dragon Age game needed, and I could not supply that, you know. It needed other leadership. That it's just, I am too old. I cannot adapt to the ways that Dragon Age 4 needed. Um, and it's like, he's also been working for 20 years. He also said he had no idea that Casey was retiring. He said that, uh, I can't remember the name of the interview. And I can go through my, um, I'll have to go through my favorites to find it. Uh, but, like, he's flat out in an interview, like, yeah, no, neither of us knew either of us were retiring, and we announced it at the same time. I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a plug for another podcast, so I apologize, or another YouTube channel. Mark Dura, promotions. Uh, yeah, well, Mark Dura has his own YouTube channel. Yes, he and does. And he does talk about, um, Bioware-related, um, and he talked about just game development stuff in general. But he like he does talk about the stuff that did happen in Bioware. He does talk about that. Uh, okay, heard. So go like one. It's good to go to his channel. Like his channel is just really insightful of just knowing how the game development process actually works, um, and how much of a complicated beast it actually is. With and it's it's rare. Like one, it's rare to have. Someone who has over 20 years of experience in the game dev industry talk about the game development process in a public setting, let alone, especially for one that was tied for Bioware for a long time. So, like, honestly, like, go watch his channel, subscribe to him. He, like, he doesn't talk about Bioware too much. Like, I think his stuff is more like, He's talking about the gaming industry as a whole, but he yeah, does bring up, like... A lot of specifics um, in game development. Yeah. Like, I remember one of the things, like, he did bring up... He did talk about Anthem, and he fully admitted, Hey, I am the reason why Anthem did not get more time. Because the team was tired and exhausted, and they just wanted to... Re like, they were not in good shape. They were tired, they were exhausted. We want them to, like... It's like, sure, I could have them work on it for another year, but how good is the product going to be? And how much am I going to be stretching my already super stretched team? It's, like, it's his it's his uh, responsibility that it even got as good as it got, because before him it was somebody else that was running it, and it was running bad. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no. Dara, Dara seemed to be the guy who would come in, and essentially he was the oh shit, this project isn't going well, Dar they would send Dara in and be like, okay, we need to prioritize shit. You guys, okay, we need to cut this, this, and this. We need to streamline this. We have to get this shit done. Um, like, I think he's described himself very pragmatic. Like, he was probably one of the most pragmatic people over at Bioware. Like, um... That's part of the point that I'm trying to make is that, like, we've had these major people leave. Now someone else is coming in and bringing, uh, they have to tie in the previous person's notes and the way they do things. And now the way they're going to do things 
And then also the way that their higher-ups want things to be done. Yeah. And, yeah, and to a certain extent, who knows how much Bioware, like, how much, at this point, it is kind of a little bit hard to say, like, what Bioware is wanting. And it is also kind of says something, the fact that we have to go to, you know, outside sources at this point, you know, either through the Jason Schreier articles or to Mark Dura, who now no longer works at the company, to get answers about these, you know, yeah. these sort of things. So they have very, uh, very strong NDAs, from what I understand. For example, the debacle that happened with was it Mark Dara and uh, the voice actor we do not speak of, or was it Mark uh, Dara? Uh, I mean, they definitely yeah, fought on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Yep. yep. Only after his contract finished, he was like, "Look, now I can uh, tell you." Yeah, 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 yeah. He got there and fucking shredded him a new ass. <laughs> it was great. Oh yeah. So the oh, idea yeah. I have is, even if you are kind of fucking over the company, like one of your former employees, as was the case, uh, temporary, but still, mm-hmm. you, re- present ones, can't really say a damn thing, even to defend the company. So that's how how difficult to overcome their NDAs are. Yeah. So I'm not well, surprised, really. Well, and that's one thing that I was always very surprised about in the Jason Schreier articles, when it's like, he interviewed 29 people at Bioware. And they broke NDA, meaning that what the what was happening at Bioware was enough for them to risk, like for people knowing knowingly, because like go, game devs of all people know how extensive their NDAs are, um, knowingly broke NDA to essentially bring out the dirty laundry at Bioware. Now I think that has made the company better. In my opinion, now that that has been aired out. Uh, but that being said, you know, it's, you know, we haven't gotten anything that juicy since. Um, but I also think Bioware is like, you know, maybe, maybe we should focus on that a little bit. And hey, maybe let's make our company better to the point that people. You know, 29 people out of, mind you, Bioware is only 400 people. Two to 400 people. So, 29 people willingly breaking NDA. That's a lot of fucking people. Maybe let's make our development process and our company better to the, you know, so then people, so we don't get to a point where it's so bad that people are willing to lose their jobs to get their voices heard. I think maybe the reason why we haven't heard anything juicy, as you said, is because either the situation really has improved or the, uh, the consequences, the legal consequences of breaking those NDAs have gotten much worse. It's possible. That one I don't know about because NDAs generally legally stay the same. Aim. Um... I think almost Bioware is just better at hushing people up. I think that's also part of it as well. And I also think they're now... Like, I almost kind of use, like, Jeff Grubb as a good example. Uh, I am putting money that Jeff Grubb was in cahoots with Bioware. And he was doing his leaks. You know. I think they were... And Mark Dura has also said that they have purposefully leaked things out before. 
Yeah, he, he mentioned that at some point. Yeah, he, uh, in one of his videos, like, I believe. Yeah, they'll they'll leak stuff out purposefully and see how fans react and be like, hmm, oh, they didn't react well to that. Okay, put that to the side. Or like, or if they them releasing um, like the, like I wouldn't be surprised if they look at like. Okay, we need to add a sexy Konari lady into as a romance in Dragon Age Four. Got it. Ah, uh, yes, nine foot tall vampire lady. Yes. Uh, we want please. her. We want her to <laughs> crush me, mommy. In every way possible. I am fine with her being that woman for the rest of the game. <laughs> I don't care who such she is. If she goes with souls, I'm like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> nine foot tall Konari lady. <laughs> Yes, mommy. Whatever you need, mommy. <laughs> mommy, yes, sorry. I, uh, mommy, sorry. Mommy, yes, uh, sorry. I, I have I, no mommy issues, but I'll gain some for you. She said, yeah, so what's like, so would you like your tea with some breast milk? I mean, breast milk. I mean, breast milk. <laughs> <laughs> <Jesus Christ. laughs> for the bonus question, what do you think Sandal is? Adorable. Sandal is Dragon Age Jesus. <laughs> um... That's a fair I will answer. not be taking questions. <laughs> the, a stunted you know lizard man. <laughs> a stunted lizard. Um. Okay, I actually have an idea. Um. Okay. I actually think that you know how we were talking about how possibly like there's like the magic of the essentially what could be described as like the magic of the titans or like magic of the earth. Mm-hmm. I think he's the first rendition. He is the first dwarf born with the na- those natural abilities. Because, like, especially with how powerful his enchantments are, that's what I think were what fuels it. So he's uh, an actual soldier, an actual uh, white blood soldier, <laughs> the way they were meant to be. Is that what you mean? I mean, that might be. Yeah, that might be a good way to do it. Yeah, or describe it, or just like. If I were to use D and D terms, he's like the first ever dwarf sorcerer, if that makes sense. Dwarferer, <laughs> uh, a dwarferer, if you would. Um, that's not actually what I would explain it as. Is he's kind of the first to have that full con- that connection to Titan magic, effectively. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's something that also supports your theory, in fact, is the conditions under which he was found. There mm-hmm. was literally an earthquake before and after he was found, and the last one destroyed his... Uh, I won't say it's his birthplace necessarily, but it might be. But the supposed mural where he was found. Mm-hmm. So, and we know that Titans kind of move about by way of earthquakes, so that might have been the end of a birthing <laughs> process, possibly. Ooh. Maybe, yeah. I like Sandals that. Sandals slipping out of the birth canal, eh? <laughs> and the birth canal was uh, a deadly mural. <laughs> the Jesse, if you will. <laughs> yes. The, oh god, the, I hate the it. The Titussie? Titussie? <laughs> the Tussie? <laughs> Oh god, I hate it so much. <laughs> Adam Nessie's. <laughs> oh, oh god. I'll be taking all of those answers and considering them all very, very seriously. You really think oh, about no. the Titussie. Get a good mental picture. So, uh, uh 
you actually commit to a real sandal answer, uh, hypothetically, is it possible he's one of like the the Shabratal, the uh, like the the the, the blue Orvin people mm-hmm. at the very bottom in the Descent mm-hmm. DLC? Do you mean like uh, what it would be a perfect form of a Shabratal, seeing as he didn't have to glue pieces of lyrium uh, and armor to himself? Maybe it's just. I don't know what he is. It's very strange. I think it's also very possible uh, that two two answers. Again, either Dragon Age Jesus or the Maker himself. <laughs> or what if, he's, what if he's the shell of something? Okay. In the I same mean, way the that technically Kieran is the shell of an old god. Or that something like that. Okay. Is it possible he's not a whole being as we know it now? Very possible. Maybe he is uh, possessed by some spirit or something, and that's what's given him the power to use magic. The Titusi reincarnate. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> possible. That's kind of making me think of a... It's more a shit theory than anything. My, my most likely theory for me is that he's a proto-titan, a new form of titan that Ooh. can get out of the earth, per se. The second okay. one, kind of going off on what you said, is that, and this is a huge stretch, but maybe this is, he came out of a well. He's the product of one of the wells. Yeah, what happens when you fuse lyrium? Ah, uh, yes. Oh, no. He came right out of the well of sea. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to make that one, but I was trying to be serious. How, how, <laughs> how dare you assholes. <laughs> but I think that the last one is a pretty big stress. Especially because yeah, we didn't really have much of a hint of uh, future Dragon Age games and where they were going on Dragon Age 1 when we learned about where he came from and all that. Uh-huh. So I think it might be a stretch, but his existence is very strange. So you saw him <clears> a <throat> lot in Dragon Age Origins. You saw him a lot on 2, of course, in your own house. And then you find traces of him in Trespasser in the fucking Lost Library. Yeah. What the hell? That just made no sense. He, You know, he, you can't really tell exactly when he arrived. You have an idea because of his diary. Mm-hmm. But then, you know he was attacked by Kunari. He easily retaliated and crushed the other guy. Does it go into detail how he retaliated? Nope. It's, it, you can go by what you kind of were hinted at on the second game. Uh, explosion. He calls an enchantment for like... Or you can go by the fact that he was surrounded by weapons and there was a, a weapon um, a making thing right beside it and the Kunari was like, he was impaled I think, if I recall. And he was very mm. well hidden. That's something you yeah. could have easily, that, that's almost an easter egg, that's how well hidden that thing was. It's like mm-hmm. some uh, maker level powers. It's very much possible. Also, what the hell was he doing there? I, I, I have the feeling he's always been able to access the Fade for some reason, or parts of the Fade, to be able to go into 
the roads created by the elves themselves through the Illuvians. Mm -hmm. So it's very odd to me that he's just purely a being of a dwarven or titan, be it creation. I don't know. I, mm -hmm. I think there's some mixes there. Oh, I think okay. it's I think it's about time that we uh we we shut it out. Uh, how about you guys? Do you guys have any anything to say? I think we covered it all. So. And then we covered it all, maybe, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and, yeah, have fun editing this one. Oh, yeah, I'm going to have a, a great time. Uh, there's a few things you're going to have to cut, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, there's, I... Uh, I will yeah, not I'm remove gonna... Willisie, though. <laughs> Please don't. No, of course you wouldn't. Um, <laughs> my best guess, you're going to cut out 45 minutes. Minimum. 45 <laughs> Nah, I like I I keep the tangents most of the time. I mostly cut individual shit. I want to say that uh, I we're gonna have about one fifty two, one fifty three by the end of this recording. Uh, I'm gonna cut out five minutes. I just five minutes. Phone. I'm gonna say That's five it. minutes. Five minutes. You'd be surprised how much I cut out. I usually cut out small shit like background noise or coughing. Oh, I know you. I don't even count that as cutting. That's just that's editing. I'm talking about oh. like oh, fully like... edited stuff. Once fully edited stuff that is like content related wise. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm getting pronoun... up to 45 minutes. <laughs> Pronouns. <laughs> I loved it, but I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. But, uh, that one's gonna be very controversial. I wear biology. Yeah. Cut. <laughs> no, no, that that one has to have its own video at the very end. <laughs> It'll see. Mini thirty-minute segment. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Honestly, no, I would one hundred percent. No, 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 good, no, good. What are you all gonna right, say? Right. Finish, finish your, away. finish your, uh, your, your sentence. Right, I was gonna say I would one hundred percent come back for a uh, a biology breakdown of each of mm. the races and why they can or cannot talk. <laughs> According to the Arambol, they all. And on that note, <laughs> uh, it has to be headed by Scott, of course. Yeah. Like, uh, I want okay. a full it's MLA gonna, format breakdown. Uh, and I want it to be narrated like the the uh, Animal Planet. Oh, I was going to say. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> if you need me to narrate it, I will. David, uh, David Attenborough. No, uh, David Attenborough. Attenborough. And so we see the canary. <laughs> Pound a dwarf. And you can watch as the Kunari mounts the dwarf and prepares his penis. The horns must be at a very, very careful 90 degrees or else his neck will snap. <laughs> Alright. All right, Wheels with excitement. Uh, and you know what? Speaking of squealing, we are squealing goodbye. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> everybody say your goodbyes. Squeal for Mommy Canari. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you guys for stopping by. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Just, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> this is my apologizing. Uh, goodbye, Thetis. Thank you so much for stopping by and uh, rub some dirt in your eye to get out all the sadness.
that uh, we just put in your life. Uh, bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, Jesus Christ. <laughs>